0: Hi there, it's David Jim Jung here for another year of All My Friends Are In Bar Bands. It's uh, the last episodes of 2017 that you are listening to right now. And just before we get into any other uh, bits of business... I want to say thank you for listening. Wherever you are in the world, however you've come across this podcast, it's all so, so appreciated, and uh, yeah, it means the absolute world to me that you are listening to and supporting this podcast. So, thank you so, so much uh, for being with me this year. I've had periods of inactivity and kind of uncertainty as to whether this podcast would continue, but uh, yeah... I've been really motivated to to keep it going and keep up uh, the productivity. So, uh, yeah. It, it, it's all because of people like you listening and supporting, so thank you so much for that. It, it really does mean the world. So yeah, it's been a pretty crazy time since I uh, last spoke to you. Uh, since then, I uh, found out that All My Friends Are In Bar Bands was featured in Rolling Stone. Yeah, no shit. Uh, so the January issue of Rolling Stone, uh, with the late, great Malcolm Young on the cover, A really wonderful tribute to him in this issue. But uh, this issue is also the hot issue, uh, where they talk about uh, some of the things that are deemed hot right now. Uh, So hot uh, heroine, Britney Spears. Hot author, Sean Prescott. Hot resurrection, Freddie Mercury. Hot actress, Grace Van Patten. Uh, That's just on this two-page spread that I'm looking at. But uh, hot podcasts was also one. And... uh, Lo and behold, (laughs) there I am. One of the five podcasts that has been selected as one of the best podcasts to be listening to right now. So, a huge thanks to uh, Johnny Nail for this really lovely write-up. Passionate local music nerd David James Young, that's me, goes one-on-one with his music heroes on this charmingly lo-fi, I mean... I guess Uh, it's one microphone and I'm recording this in my front yard. So I guess that's lo-fi and criminally underrated podcast that's very nice. Like, uh, I think, uh, I wouldn't want to be underrated for too long. I mean, it's been three years, but, uh, you know, you do what you got to do, man. Most recently Young, who also co-hosts a series examining every Hottest 100 song ever. That is true. Hottest 100s and thousands. If you haven't checked that out, uh, we are currently in our fifth season and it is so much fun. So please check that one out. Most recently, Young has gone beyond the title's pub punk confines, including chats with Breakout star Amy Shark, hi Amy, and revered outsider artist David Lieber Hart. Hi David, hello sir. Yeah, those were two of my favourite episodes this year, so I'm glad uh, people got into those. On that note... Uh, <laughs> favorite episodes. Uh, as soon as these go up, I am going to be putting up a poll where you can pick your favorite episodes of 2017. And uh, we'll be kicking off 2018 with a best of episodes. So you can have a listen to that and you can check out a little bit of what were deemed uh, to be favorites and the best episodes of the podcast in 2017. So if that's of interest, please stay tuned, and I will have more information about that going up on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash A-M-F-A-I-B-B-P-O-D, all my friends are in Barbands podcast for short, or just type in Barbands, you'll be able to find us in the, uh, the Facebook algorithm one way or another. But yeah, I, I literally got featured in Rolling Stone, which is something I never thought would ever happen, so yeah, it was a very, very surreal moment for me, but, uh, I'm really glad that it happened. And, uh, if anyone has come across my work since then, uh, thanks. Uh, I hope you enjoy what you hear. I hope you stick around. Let me know what you reckon. (laughs) Anyway, uh, moving on to today's guests. Today's guests are two dream guests of the podcast and, uh, two people, or three people technically, but two bands uh, that I absolutely love and uh, I'm really, really stoked to have on this podcast. So the first is Lauren Denizio. Lauren Denizio is an American singer, songwriter, guitarist uh, who has spent time in bands like The Measure S.A. and Warriors, which they currently front. Uh, Have been for about four years now. Uh, I discovered The Measure, I think through some online punk forum, this would have been about six years ago, and uh, was obsessed with their album Notes, which you can find on Spotify and it's an absolute banger. Uh, But as soon as that band broke up, I found out that Lauren was starting a new band, and so I followed them to that, and uh, Warriors have since become one of my absolute favourite bands. Uh, they just toured Australia for the first time in September. They played at Poison City Weekender, and they also did a tour uh, opening for Camp Cope. So I got to see them six times on this tour. Like I said, I've literally been waiting for years and years and years for them to come to Australia. And uh, when I was first in the same room as Lauren Donizio, it was kind of, you know, in community where uh, Troy meets Lavar Burton? That was me. Like, I was, like, bug-eyed and, like, freaking out. And, like, I couldn't bring myself to go up to them and say anything uh, because I was, like, freaking out. Uh, But naturally, like, I I kind of worked up the courage after a little while and uh, I spoke to them. And uh, they were super, super wonderful and super accommodating and kind and thoughtful. And they even remembered me from uh, some emails that I'd sent a few years before. Uh, asking if they'd ever consider coming to Australia. So, yeah, it was a real, real pleasure to get to speak to Lauren and uh, to interview them as well. Uh, Huge thanks to previous guest of the show, lifetime friend of the show, Sarah Thompson, uh, for helping to set up this chat. Uh, We recorded this at the Red Rattler in Sydney, uh, just before the Camp Cope headlining show the first couple of minutes are uh, recorded inside and then uh, we moved it outside so that uh, we wouldn't have the sound check uh, bleeding the camp cope sound check bleeding into what we were recording so the first minute or minute or two minute first couple of minutes are a little different to Uh, how the rest of it turned out, but uh, you'll figure it out. It's pretty easy. And uh, yeah, no major, major kerfuffles there. The other episode you are about to hear, you're hearing one of uh, two uh, going into this, so uh, it's kind of a choose-your-own-adventure. I decided to record the same intro for both podcasts because I am lazy. Anyway, uh, Sean Burnett, Ben Gality, together, they are AJJ, formerly known as Andrew Jackson Jihad. They have been making uh, wonderfully weird folk punk for over a decade now. And uh, I spoke to them while they were here in late September for their first ever headlining tour of Australia. They performed at a few different places, including the Metro Lair in Sydney and uh, Yours Nails Festival in Wollongong. But uh, this was recorded up in Newcastle. The band were playing in the Bistro Room of the Hamilton Station Hotel. This was a really fun one. I had met Ben and Sean when they first came out to Australia in 2015. Uh, as Again, as part of Poison City Weekender. Uh, that was, uh, we, and they also did a tour with the Smith Street Band, the Sidekicks, and the Sugar Canes, which was an absolute belter. That was a really, really, really fun tour. And, uh, yeah, some fond memories of that tour. So half of this is just reminiscing and talking shit. And, uh, half of it is getting into the nuts and bolts of their musical careers. So, uh, yeah, this is a really fun one. Uh, this also features a transition in which we were sitting and talking at, uh, a coffee shop and then, uh, we decided to finish the podcast on the way back to, uh the venue walking back so uh there's a little shift there but uh I managed to transition that using a bar band's sting so you'll know when the change is about to happen. It's not one of those ridiculous sudden ones. It's like oh, oh what just happened there. You'll see it. You'll see it coming. Anyway I've gas bagged on a bit too long as per usual but uh <laughs> I had a little bit to get through and uh, yeah again thank you so, so much for listening, and uh, thank you to these people. These are my patrons. These are the people that support the podcast on Patreon, the absolute legends that they are uh, putting their hard-earned in to make sure this podcast stays up online and helps to support this podcast, helps it keep it free, etc., etc., etc. So, thank you to these absolute legends supporting the podcast over on Patreon. Thanks to Amy Gray, Andrew Nicholson, Blake Hennequin, Britt Andrews, Eleanor Shepherd, Hazel Chan, Heath Anthony, Jeremy Neal, Jonathan Elvery, Karen Dennis, Kirsten Day, congratulations on the new baby Kirsten. Uh Christy OneMaker, Leslie Bowden, Liam Sherlaw, Lily Belnick, Matthew Lynch, Max Quinn, Rachel Maria Cox, Ryan Dunn, van Vanacuti, Tom Brown, Tom Kennedy, Tom Jenkins, and Zoe Lane. You can join that elite crew for as little as one dollar a month, helping to support this podcast on a monthly basis. You can do that by heading over to patreon.com slash barbands. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash barbands. B-A-R-B-A-N-D-S. If you don't want to do a monthly thing, maybe you just want to throw in a couple of bucks, that's fine. You can do that uh, by going to paypal.me, P-A-Y-P-A-L dot M-E slash Rights is my PayPal. And uh, yeah, you want to throw in a couple of bucks there as a one-off donation, you can do that. But if you want to do it monthly and, uh, yeah, be one of the absolute legends that supports the podcast that way, again, patreon.com slash barbands. That's going to be it for 2017. Enjoy these final episodes with Lauren DiNizio from Warriors and the guys from AJJ. Have a wonderful holiday season. Have a great, safe, wonderful new year. And uh, I look forward to catching up with all of you in twenty. 18. I'm David James Young and all my friends and bar bands. Hi everyone, I'm David Jane Chung, and all my friends are in bar bands. Today, I'd like to introduce you to my friend, Lauren Donizia. Hi. How are you?
1: Good, good, thanks for having me.
0: Absolute pleasure, thanks for being had. I, I never thought I would get to say those words. Uh, I never thought that I would have warriors in Australia. <laughs> I, didn't, yeah. I never thought I'd be talking to Lauren Measure, so it's kind of wild, you no, know? No, it's
1: cool, yeah, we're here, it's great.
0: Yeah. Um, so, coming towards the tail end of the tour with, uh, with Camp Cope and uh, yeah, it's weird to say looking back, even though it's been like a week or something like that. Yeah. you packed a lot into that, you know, time that you've been here, like, uh, you know, during a weekend and then the run of national shows as well and wrapping up over this weekend. Uh, how are you feeling coming coming towards the end of it now?
1: No, it's, it's been great. It's gone by really fast, but we've had a really good time and it's it's been really great to see so much of Australia, you know, just, just in a few days, really. So Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you met up with
0: Camp Cope while they were touring in the US? You did some shows with them now?
1: We played a bunch of shows with them in Cayetana on the East Coast and oh, then excellent. and then Warriors toured across the country with Camp Cope, like from Philadelphia to LA over the summer.
0: Unreal. Yeah. So great. Kate's on a previous guest of the show as well. Very, very yeah. good people. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, so so great. But yeah, uh, first impressions, uh, getting to you know play to audiences, you know, literally on the other side of the world. How's it been?
1: Oh, it's it's been great. I mean, it, it's felt really comfortable and like it, it's really not that different from playing at home. And, yeah. And, um... So I begin these by
0: tracing back the initial interest in music, specifically where it changed from being something that maybe you were listening to on the radio or, you know, seeing on TV or something like that to like having a moment where it was like, this is something I want to do. I want to play guitar. I want to sing. I want to be a musician. Like uh, tell me a little bit about how music kind of factored into your childhood and your upbringing, et cetera.
1: I mean, when I was a kid, I always, you know, I listened to the radio, like just listened to like standard top 40 or like sure. popular radio and started making little mixtapes for myself because like cassettes were still a thing yeah yeah, yeah.
0: so Did you used to tape off the radio yeah, yeah,
1: so, yeah me too <laughs> cool because that's the thing it's like I used to just tape off the radio and um you know and listen to my favorite songs that way mm. and I feel like I started I started writing my own songs from the standpoint of being a singer-songwriter sure and yeah. I, I mean I listened to you know alter- alternative rock like mm. as it was you know, called at the time sure. and and punk and stuff, but, but I listened to a lot of more like folk related music and a lot of female singer songwriters and I mean that was really my yeah. starting point for feeling like, oh like I can I can do this, like I'll yeah. get an acoustic guitar and I'll learn how to do this because yeah, I yeah. wanted to write songs. Like I talking,
0: like Sarah McLaughlin, Sheryl Carter so, sort of stuff? Uh
1: sort of more like Ani DeFranco oh, and Indigo yes. Girls yeah, and like yeah. Tori Amos yeah, and Dar Williams. Course. Yeah. Yeah. So stuff like that and, and it was really like it was really less about playing guitar as an instrument and more writing songs and writing music mm. um and i don't think when i was a teenager at all that i thought i would be in a band or that right, uh, sure. because it just wasn't it wasn't something that i saw anyone other than like cis men in in my general music scene yeah. doing or like yeah, my yeah. friends weren't really starting me and no one was asking me to be in a band mm. And it, and it wasn't really something that I, I saw as possible until I was I was a little bit older, right? Yeah. And was really like really had to make the effort to be like, so, like someone be in a band with me. Like <laughs> let's again, we please play music together. Yeah, um, yeah. So so yeah, I mean, it was it it really was like more of a singer songwriter yeah, kind of thing. So so so. Where'd you go on? I grew up in New Jersey. Okay. Um, so yeah, so central New Jersey.
0: Was there like was there like much of a scene where you were growing up, oh, or was yeah. it like you had to like travel for shows?
1: No, that's the thing. There was like a really there was a really good scene where I grew up, and and you know shows local shows happen anywhere from like 15 minutes from my house to like an hour away, and I was you know within an hour or so of New York. So um, so yeah, there was no shortage of you know of local bands playing, of touring bands playing in the area. Um, so I definitely I went to a lot of a lot of local shows when I was in high school. Not so much like the bigger you know national touring acts, but definitely a ton of local shows.
0: Sure, sure, sure. sure. Do you remember the first time that you played
1: live yourself? Whoa! I mean, I played. I played in like bands at summer camp oh, when I was nice. like 14. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that maybe, or I. Um, I got a couple friends to cover the Clash for a school, Fuck yes. um, like a like an auditorium assembly kind of thing for Halloween. Which track? Um, Train in Vain. Nice, love that song. Yeah. So so that was probably the first time I played, you know, quote unquote, played live or like things like open mic nights and stuff mm, like that. Mm, mm. Um, but my first band, The Measure, didn't play until I was like nineteen. So. Yeah,
0: right. So that was your first proper Yeah. 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 So tell me a little bit about that because that's that's where I come in like uh <laughs> I think I think uh, someone might have mentioned uh, the the notes album on a forum or something like that and you know like Obviously, like, there was nowhere to get it here, so I was just like, can you send me that? I was, I was just like, yeah, sure. I was, like, at that point where everyone was just like, hey, check out this band, just share it, like, from, you know, very specific parts of their scene to the people that would mm-hmm. never have heard it otherwise, you know?
1: No, totally. And, I mean, we toured and things, but that, even that, like, when we first started playing, it it, it was really... Just for fun, mm. and then sometimes we're like, Hey, like this is pretty cool, like, you should keep playing, like you should keep doing this. And I don't even think we were that good at the time, but like it suddenly went from, Oh, like I get to play in this band between semesters in college, yeah, to like, Oh, we're gonna, we're really gonna try to play all the time, we're gonna go on tour, yeah, yeah we're yeah. gonna. We're gonna to try to do this more often yeah, and put sure. out records, and yeah. that and that was just bonkers to me. At the were, time, they all, so. were they all people that you were at college with, or like? No, they, they, were, they were they were friends from home. They were friends from New Jersey yeah. that kind of realized, like, oh, we have similar taste in music. Like, why don't we try to be in a band? So yeah, sure, yeah.
0: So tell me about playing with them for the first time, and you know, like, uh, did you kind of ever have in the back of your head that we had like anything? You know, like you said, kind of more than just you know a couple of friends playing for fun.
1: Yeah, well, I think that's the thing, is that because it started as something that was just for fun, I didn't necessarily feel like I had to be a total master of the instrument. Like, I'm still not a master of the (laughs) instrument, obviously, but, like, you know, I didn't know how to palm mute. I didn't, like, I didn't really know how to play like rock guitar at all and um just a lot of strumming yeah and well and it was very like folk influenced so Mm. you know playing an electric guitar even was kind of a new thing to me and Mm. and it worked for the style of music we were playing but i i think it, it was a mix of like not really being judged for it but also kind of being pushed to be better and and i think that like that that kind of works for any creative practice is that like, if you surround yourself with people who are like a little bit better than you, or like who are a little bit more skilled than you, then it pushes you to, you know, kind of hone your craft a little bit. Um, But, but yeah, I mean, we, um, it was me and, and my friend Mike Ray, uh, we wrote, like we started as like the songwriters in the band. um, And then it sort of evolved from there with, with a little bit of a rotating lineup, but then Fid who, had started in the band playing drums um, when Mike eventually left the band after a few years. Mm. Fid took over kind of Mike's half of the songwriting, yeah. and and I think that really shaped a lot of the trajectory of the band, for sure.
0: Yeah. So where
1: was that first show? Our first show was in a basement in New Jersey somewhere. Fuck I don't yeah. remember. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember. I remember we dressed up for it. Like, we all wore, like, black collared shirts, which is still my oh, thing. Oh, nice. And, um, uh, yeah, it was, it was at a house show where, if memory is serving me correctly, it was totally, like, a mom's house. You know, like, mm-hmm. it wasn't, it wasn't, like, college kids living in a punk house. Yeah. It was, like, someone's parents' house that we were playing in the unfinished basement. And then, it like... If you had to like go upstairs use the restroom, it just felt really nice. Yeah, and we, we were we were all like dirty punks. Yeah, just making like, sure so you didn't break anything. Yeah, no, totally, <laughs> totally. It, yeah, yeah. So that so that was our first. Oh no, wait, I'm totally telling you. That was like maybe our second show. Oh, our first okay. show we played without a bassist in a basement in New Brunswick, which is. Kind of classic, looking, yeah, looking back right. on it. But, um, but, yeah, so we played at... oh I, I want to say that it was at 12 Lafayette, New Brunswick. But, um, uh, yeah, it, you know, it was one of those things where we weren't necessarily ready, but mm. friends asked us to play, and um, we didn't even have a bassist yet, but we played anyway. Right, and, so it was two and, guitars. Yeah, and, drums, and it was with yeah. um, uh, the Hane Truth, okay. which I think... There were, there were people from California in it that, that okay. were, like, very influential, so, <laughs> or, like, just, it was a big deal at the time, they were right. like, why are sure. we playing this basement show with this yeah. band, and, like, yeah. don't know about, like, it just didn't make any sense, but it was yeah. really, like, it was really fun. Oh, awesome, yeah. awesome. And so,
0: when you, like, toured for the first time, was it a continuation of that sort of stuff, just playing, you know, basements and, like, those kind of DIY spaces?
1: Yeah, most of the shows we played for a very long time were all like basement shows, yeah, DIY spaces. It, I mean, I was thinking about this the other day that there must have been a point at which we played a bar show or like a real stage, and that we took note of the fact that we were playing on a stage like with monitors and stuff. And like yeah. when that, and I don't remember when that happened, but but we were definitely a band that just you know played basements.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and that's a you know obviously a very very different environment to you know the way a lot of other bands will come up you know like paying, playing um, like bars and clubs and stuff like that do you feel like that was kind of influential on the way that you performed you know like very kind of direct and you know like basically trying to get heard over the noise of a party a lot of the time
1: yeah no I mean I think it definitely influenced it it definitely changed the way that I played and sang at the time mm. probably honestly like negatively when you're dealing with performing in a setting where you can't hear anything or like you can't hear yourself and people can't actually really hear the vocals very well. It really changes your approach to it. Mm. And I think once I was able to write songs and sing, knowing that the audience would actually be able to hear me, Mm. it totally, totally changed it. Yeah. Um,
0: was it more of a self conscious thing where you're just like, oh, they're actually going to hit like the words and like yeah well, stuff like that?
1: Yeah, I mean a little bit, but it, but it's also like you don't. I feel like I didn't understand how my voice worked because mm. I was always yelling, like I was always yeah, trying sure. to like belt it as loud as possible, yeah, to be heard Because we were a two guitar band, like it was yeah. we we're loud band. I mean Warriors is a loud band, and yeah. like if we play basements and stuff, like it totally changes the way you perform. So, yeah, yeah, of course. Um, it was definitely a very specific experience to to always be on the same level as, as people watching the show. To always have people like right in your face, yeah. And um and that's awesome. And I love when that happens even now. So, but and I think that that gives you a different perspective on like what you value in in shows. You know, yeah. like I would much rather be like very up close to everybody totally. than like the occasional show where there are barriers or something. Yeah, so. yeah.
0: At what point did uh, things kind of? run their course with
1: with that band
0: like uh, was there was it like just a series of events that kind of meant that you know the band had to stop or was it just kind of you know the classic like creative differences kind of thing how did things kind of wrap up there
1: yeah well I mean we had been a band for almost seven years and I think it it got to a point where we we wanted to tour all the time we like we'd never toured Europe before we were trying to figure out a way to tour Europe and just like the personal dynamics with the band did not work for touring all the time. I right, like was yeah. just like, oh, I cannot. <laughs> like, we are not getting in the van yeah. for you know eight months out of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and like not killing each other. So <laughs> I, I, it, it definitely just got to where it was like, this isn't working. Mm. Um, which, which is really unfortunate because I think you know I look back fondly on on a lot of it, but. It was just a really interesting experience to go from something that like wasn't ever even supposed to be like a band that would go on tour, or put out records, yeah, to like being faced with like, oh, we actually want to do this all the time, yeah, um, and then and then feeling like it's just not the right fit personally.
0: What's your relationship with those songs now? I know you you recorded one of those songs for the for the last record.
1: I mean, I. It's like I. It, I look back fondly on them, you know, like I, I, I'm glad we recorded as much as we did. Um, but it, but I think I, I view a lot of it as a learning experience, you know, like I totally see just because I was like a younger person then too, like, Mm. you know, you just grow, um, as you know, as a musician. Yeah like no matter who you are so so i think like enough time has passed i'm like oh, okay like that was that was a time and a place yeah of course like of i course. would do that differently now but yeah. like you, no matter who you are like you're gonna look back on records and be like ah, oh, we shouldn't does <laughs> yeah. sound right so you know there's there's that typical stuff but um it's, it's just nice to hear kind of like where where i come from songwriting wise yeah
0: totally totally so was there kind of I don't know a gestation period between Measure Ending and, and Warriors starting. Like, was it kind of always in the back of your head that you'd keep making music? Make, like, even it was it was just going to be on your own.
1: Yeah, well, Warriors started as a side project, so um,
0: so it was like running in tandem.
1: Yeah, uh, f- briefly, it 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 was a side project that um, uh, like I started with a couple friends, really, just to play to play music with other people cuz I'd never yeah. been in any other band other than The Measure so Yeah, sure. So it really just started as a side project and then when The Measure broke up it became like okay, like this this will be my band. Like this this will be the the more focused project and um, but Warriors didn't really start recording for a while after yeah. The Measure ended or yeah. like you know we we certainly didn't go on tour for for quite a while after The Measure ended.
0: Yeah, yeah. Was it, was it always a thing where you had a bunch of different people coming in and going, kind of having this kind of collective ideal of, you know, people come, like being a part of the band? Like, uh, I um, know, yeah. Cause I know there's just, there's been a few different people like, you know, yeah. involved in it at one point or another.
1: Well, I mean, originally when, when the band started, we really were trying to have it be a, a consistent lineup. Yeah, and so yeah. even though it changed a little bit, it, it was in this, in the sense of like, okay, you were going to be the bassist for the band and yeah, it wasn't sure. like a fill in situation, um, but then, when we went to record *Cruel Optimist*, I think it kind of clicked for me that that I needed the, I guess like the creative control of a lot of it that I mm. that I really just wanted it to be, like my my songs, but then collaborating with other friends yeah. to make it to make it work and and I'm I'm lucky that I, you know, I'm I'm friends with and know like people who. Who I can collaborate with that don't necessarily want to go on tour all the time, you know. Yeah. That that I really appreciate their perspective and and the way that they write music, but you know, it's not always going to work to be in the band long term. Yeah. And and it's it's really worked out that like, you know, we have someone like Mikey Erg who I've yeah. been writing music with for over a decade, yeah. I think. And you know, he is our drummer. He writes all of the songs with me, or like he he arranges all the songs with me. He, yeah, he writes yeah, yeah. all the drums with me and he doesn't always tour with us but he's always he's been like a writing partner in the band and you know different people will record on the record and sometimes they can tour and sometimes they can't but Mm. um it was a structure that just kind of evolved in a way that like it just made sense for me yeah
0: Lou's been another person that's kind of been one of the sole constants throughout as well like uh What's the what's the kind of writing relationship there? Like do you kind of have like similar ideas of what you want out of music or do you think it's the it's the differences between you like perspective-wise that that kind of makes that work?
1: Well, I don't know. I mean, I feel like we've we've just like known each other for a long time sure. and like I really I really like her music and the yeah, you know the, the songs that, that she writes in in caves and when she was on Flamingo Fifty and yeah. we see eye to eye on a lot of things musically or like we we can speak with the same sort of vocabulary mm. um, but then also like she likes different bands than I do like she has a different she has a different like group of influences than I do yeah. and and I think that that's always been something that I really value with Warriors is that, like, I'm not just dealing with people that, like, only like the exact same bands I do, that only, like, write in the exact same genre. Yeah. And, and I think that that, you know, that's what, you know, really means a lot with, with Blue being in a band. Definitely, definitely.
0: Uh, what was the first Warriors show? Do you, do you remember when and where, etc.?
1: Oh. You know, I don't remember what the first Warriors show was. Um, I feel like... Do you remember the... What's the earliest one that you can remember? About? Um... Oh, I really wish I could remember. <laughs> I feel like I've kind of blocked it out, but it was. Wasn't it that bad? No, it was just like a while ago, and it was like a totally different lineup. Like it was yeah, just like a totally yeah, different sure. scenario. I mean, it was in Brooklyn somewhere. Yeah. Probably. I mean, it wasn't one of our one of our first shows was at Shea Stadium, mm. um, which is now closed, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. But but yeah, we we played, you know, local shows at, at DIY spaces in Brooklyn every once in a while.
0: Yeah. With, did that kind of feel like a full circle thing? Like, you know, like, start, starting a band again and, like, playing a lot, like, I can assume would have been, like, very similar sort of spaces to when The Measure was starting out.
1: Yeah, no, totally. I mean, you know, that was that was just, like, this, the scene, and it still is, you know, especially in Brooklyn. Like, we, mm. we still play DIY spaces there, and, and I mean, anywhere, really. And yeah. so, yeah, no, I
0: don't know. It made a lot of sense. And touring with, you know, Warriors now like uh as you mentioned like you've you've got people that you know play on the records but might not necessarily be able to tour all the time and you've got people that might not play on the records but will be able to tour with you is it is it good to have that kind of freedom now to be able to open yourself up to you know more touring opportunities than the measure ever could
1: yeah no for sure and I mean I think the measure really really did try to tour as much as we could I, I there really weren't that many instances where like you know somebody couldn't get off of work or something like mm. that but it's yeah it's definitely a benefit to just being able to really really tour as much as humanly possible for us like or you know as as much as opportunities arise we can we can do that
0: yeah and away from australia obviously uh, i'm sure there's been plenty of places that you've been able to to play now that you wouldn't have gotten to previously as well. oh
1: absolutely yeah yeah definitely what have been
0: some of the highlights for, the, for you in, in that respect, like uh, getting to tour and play in places for the first time?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, we a, a couple of years ago, we toured Europe. We, we did a DIY tour of Europe, and that was really amazing. And, mm. and that was the first time I'd ever done that. And then I also did a solo tour in Europe with Julian Baker earlier this year. Oh, wonderful. Um, which is really cool. And and that's the thing. It's like, I feel like Warriors has been really flexible for me in that, like, it it really is, a, you know, it's a four-piece band, but... I toured solo and, yeah. like, Mikey and I did, like, a duo tour with John K. Sampson. And, yeah, it's, like, we just make it work, you know. It's it's really, really been great to have that sort of flexibility and then and then get to play, like, all sorts of different places, so. Yeah, of course,
0: of course. And do you feel like you approach touring differently now that you're a little bit older? Like, when, you, when you're younger, obviously, you know, like, once that initial excitement's there, you're just like, oh, wow, you know, we get to play, you know, this many fucking miles from, you know, home, and, you know, we get to play all these places that we never played before. But do you kind of, I don't know, like, approach things differently now, knowing it's just like, okay, well, we can do this, but maybe we shouldn't, you know, do this massive chunk all at once, because it might be, you know, like, Overkill or something like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it. it's definitely different in a weird way, in a way that I don't necessarily like. Like, I think... <laughs> you know, you have to start thinking about it like strategically and yeah, shit. They're yeah, yeah. just like, you know, you, you think in the in the long term because it's not like it's not like, oh like we want to go on tour next month. It's so like, okay, no, we wanna <laughs> like we're gonna be on tour for like years. What are you like how yeah. do you how do you structure that? You yeah, know like, yeah. like you're thinking about your schedule in like a much bigger way because it's not just about like oh like you know, what are we gonna play like where are we gonna play next week? It's like no, what is my life like for the next year. So yeah. um So, so yeah, and in that way, it's it's really changed. And but that that's great because that's all I want to do. Like I don't want to do anything else. But I mean, writing and recording and playing music and like drawing all the time and like making stuff is just like that's all I want to do. Yeah, and and being able to like it. It has just flipped where it's not... It's not like, oh, I have, like, a day job and then I'm going to fit in touring. It's like, Mm. no, I have touring and then I have anything else I need to do in my life, like, I fit around that. Yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, that's... I feel like that's the biggest change. Yeah,
0: for sure, for sure. And going forward, you know, like, do you kind of feel like you're at that point where it's just like oh this is this is life from now on you know like you can't kind of envision yourself doing anything else
1: yeah yeah it's a little scary cuz i'm <laughs> like i don't really want to do anything else. yeah totally yeah <laughs> but no i mean it, I, I don't know it, it's it's exciting though cuz it feels like you know when i started being a band it was it it wasn't something i ever thought to be possible like mm. i never Like it's it's cheesy to say like I never thought I would be able to do this, but it's like I literally like never in a million years like if you told me I'd be touring Australia, right? Like that's in that's just bonkers to me. (laughs) So it's flipped a lot, but I I'm excited for it because it's really all I want to do. I'm excited too. So (laughs) (laughs) it's a good stop. Yeah, yeah. No, it's really fun, and it's great. It's great to be able to meet people that you know. Like I've been in touch with you for. A while, like yeah, just on the internet. <laughs> yeah, I, I literally wrote to yeah. you with twenty
0: four. Like, I, I actually found that email in my inbox the other day. Like, I went through to find it, and yeah, I was ser- I I seriously wrote like, if you can only afford to get yourself over here, like if you can't bring the band over, I will get a ba- I'll make a band for you here. <laughs> like, I will teach people the songs yeah. and I will make sure it happens. No,
1: well, and that's the thing. It's like we'll like it, it's really nice to be in a position of like we'll find a way to yeah. to travel and to, and to you know to go to the places where like people might want to see us yeah have, of course you know, yeah have similar friends and similar scenes and yeah things,
0: so. yeah yeah so yeah Lou has like obviously been a big part of this and, and I know yeah how did how did you meet up with, with JP how did he kind of factor into this
1: um, JP um, is a friend of ours from Philly we um, we I mean I met him at shows in Philly when he was doing merch for um, Cloud United oh sure um, so, I knew him from that, and then he started beach slang. Yeah, and and then Warriors went on tour with them in 2015. I uh-huh. want to say. Yeah. Um. So we we had already toured together, and we like knew each other really well. Mm-hmm. And when Mikey was unable to do this tour because he's on the Chris Gethard show, yes. it was really, it was really just like, oh, like I we can ask JP, you know, like, yeah, um, that. That he was around and available, and, and luckily wanted to wanted to play with us. So, so yeah, he's filling in for a bit. But and your bass player's been with you for a while. Yeah, no, Nick has been touring with the band since when we wrote Imaginary Life. But yeah. he he didn't he didn't write bass on that record. But he um, kind of became more of a like full time member of the band um, a couple years ago, and uh, now helped write Surat Pop. Oh, cool. Uh, Excellent. Yeah, and yeah, it
0: it must be cool again to have that you know kind of arsenal of people. It's just like, okay, well, if this person can't do it, then this person can. If they can't, then they can. You know, yeah, like, it's good to have that Venn diagram like a community. You know?
1: No, totally. And it's been it's been really rad that it really has been like mostly friends or like friends of friends, and, yeah. and like the people that have filled in are like now some of my best friends. Yeah. And you know the the folks who tour more often and who have written on the record like obviously like they're a bigger part of the band and they really shape like what we do and Mm. um you know they they, like have a say in things but um but it's nice that people like have their own projects and you know Mikey Mikey's on the Chris Gethard show he has his own band his own music like Lou has her own band I really appreciate the fact that like people are not like are not like throwing all their eggs in one basket like yeah. we all like are independent people and like we all yeah. do a ton of different things and when we can all make it work for warriors we do so unreal yeah
0: that's so great so we'll wrap it up here before we do that i ask this of all of my guests and now it is your time <laughs> i want to know about the best and the worst shows that you have ever played in your entire life oh no oh
1: yes um <laughs> okay well, I'll start with the the best shows because those are the ones I want to remember. Yep. Like one of, I feel like there are a bunch, but um, one, one of the the best shows I've ever played is with the measure when it was the second time we ever played the fest. Oh, sure. Yeah. And we didn't know, and it was like the first. We were the first band, like the first set of of the weekend. Wow. And we were just like, oh, nobody's gonna come to this. this yeah. Is like what? Like fine. And, you know, we were se- we set up and... I mean, it was it was a fairly small venue, but it was, like, big for us at the time. And, you know, we finished setting up and looked up and the place was packed and sold out. And it was all our friends and people from, like, the No Idea Gainesville scene that oh. I really admired. There were, like, I think there were people from like Lookout there that like I was just like what is Whoa. even happening I was like yeah. what? excuse me and like the energy was just so great we had such a good time it was so amazing and like a lot of fest shows have, have been like that since yes. since then just because that's like kind of what the fest does mm. um, then I feel like I have a laundry list of like my favorite shows but yeah, um, of course. I'm trying to think with, with Warriors what my favorite show would be um, but I Definitely. I mean, our fest sets are always, like, really, really, really fun. I mean, honestly, I think getting to play with John K. Sampson um, and the Winter Wheat, when Mikey and I played our first show with them in Boston, and we had never played a live set as a duo before and we're really just totally honored to be there in the first place and it was really just a lot of fun and then John and bandmates like watched us play and I was yeah. like okay like I'm done like I, <laughs> I, I like I don't have to do anything else now like, right is, it, it was really it was really amazing um, that's so, I mean, but that's the thing is like it's things like that like the best shows are where you know you feel like people are listening and and connecting and being really supportive and 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 i I feel really lucky that we get to play a lot of those. So, um, I mean, worst shows, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's the thing is like, I feel like everyone has their shows where there's like two people there and it's like, you know, you pay your dues and have to play like crappy shows. Or it's just the other bands watching. Yeah, no, totally. And that's the thing. It's like, those I think are like the quote unquote worst shows. But I mean, no, okay. I will say this. I, we, we played, I think it was in, I want to say that it was in El Paso. It was in, it was in New Mexico. And, um, so I guess not El Paso, but we were in New Mexico and it was a DIY space in kind of the middle of nowhere. Mm. And there were definitely some people there that were like in the punk scene and, and were really rad and really nice. And then there were this group of guys that were just like totally stoned and like, not there to see any of the bands and didn't care and were just like moshing which like sounds like i don't know uh Mm. you know like i'm trying to say like hello fellow kids but like you know they were (laughs) like throwing uh, down yeah they were like but it was like not appropriate you know like it it, like it didn't match the rest of the show and then a guy like one of them Ran up on stage during our set and was trying to like dance with us and like put his arm around me, and I just like fight or flight like took took my like like he had his arm around me. I took my left arm and just like pushed him, like strong arm like just shoved him across the stage because I was just like, get your what are you doing? Yeah, and, don't like, fucking touch me. To yeah, yeah, and it and it was just like. And it was... Because the thing is, it wasn't like it was someone who I thought was really into our music or, like, just, like, didn't understand personal boundaries. Mm. It He was really just, like, partying for the sake of partying and being really rude. Being and, a dick. Yeah. yeah and, it, and that... And, and, like, I think we're not playing New Mexico on the stories. So I'm like, I'm not doing it. Yeah, I'm not that. doing it. <laughs> um, but, uh... You know i'll get over it i will get over it but it's supposed um, to be a
0: hardcore punk like that so it's just like stay out albuquerque it's no like,
1: <laughs> yeah. well that's the thing i was like okay like if this is the scene that we're gonna get i'm like no, nah, yeah, okay. i will skip it <laughs> this time um but but yeah well it, like it's it's stuff like that but yeah um, sure. <laughs> but yeah it's like we have yeah it's like everybody has their shows where it. it's like you yeah, know the bands yeah you're just playing to the bands but yeah brutal isn't it yeah <laughs> fingers crossed everyone doesn't happen again yeah. but yeah
0: uh, Warriors have a new record yeah it's called Survival Pop yes it's all, I'm out now maybe
1: no it's it's out at the end of the month by the we time have, this comes out yeah, it might, but, yeah. yeah but by the time this comes out yeah it's it's out September 29th
0: yes Will it be getting released here?
1: Yeah, um, it, it's released on Cooking Vinyl in Australia. Oh, fantastic. Yeah,
0: yeah I, I work with Janine all the time for Cooking Vinyl and, and Stu as well, like two of the best fucking people, so you're in good hands. Good, I can say that good, much.
1: good. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's on side one dummy in the States, but then fantastic. they have it
0: through a cooking vinyl. Unreal, unreal. Uh, do you have anything you would like to plug or share or say before we mosey on over to the Red Rat lot? Uh,
1: no, I mean, we've just been having a really good time, and hopefully we'll be back in Australia soon. I hope so.
0: Lauren, Great. this has literally been a dream of mine, so thank you so much for doing no, this. I really appreciate No, thank you so much. That. Thanks
1: so much for having me. It's nice hanging out.
0: Absolute pleasure. I'm David James Young, and all my friends in barber.